We are going to be in John chapter 4 this morning. John chapter 4. Talking about some heavy stuff. It's a bad sign when the preacher asks for water. That means he's going to be preaching hard and for a long time. So... We are going to get back to 1 Corinthians, but just kind of taking a little breather. We've been in there for quite a while. We kind of at the halfway point of 1 Corinthians, and we've gone through some really heavy stuff, and there's some more heavy stuff to come. And so I said, you know what? Just preach on a few other things that was on my heart. I thought maybe some lighter things, but uh, as you can tell by the topic of the sermon today, this is not a lighter thing. This is uh, what God has put on my heart in the last couple of weeks, and uh, it's a big deal. Uh, racism in America is a big deal. It's, uh, I can't even say it's an elephant in the room. We can't uh, dance around and pretend like it's not a big thing. All you have to do is turn on the news today uh, and you see very quickly that there is a lot of racial tension in our country. This is nothing new. This is nothing new for our country. This is nothing new for, for our world. These are uh, types of situations that we see mentioned in Scripture that are very prevalent as well in our culture today. And as Christians, as a church, uh, the body of Christ, we need to be aware with those situations and we also need to make sure that we are representing Christ and that we understand what, uh, that we understand what God's uh, view on race is. Uh, there is a lot of hatred that, that oftentimes arises between different people groups. And that's not just here in the United States. That is all over our world. There are always those who are looked upon as lesser. There are always those who are discriminated against. Uh, there are always those who are not treated equally and treated fairly. That's, that's horrible that as human beings that we do not have enough respect uh, for one another, no matter what nationality people are, no matter what color people's skin is, it's a shame that as human beings that we can't treat other human beings with respect and dignity. But sadly, in our, in our world, in our culture, there seems to be more racial tension now uh, than ever. And this goes back many years. Many of you have experienced uh, things uh, as you were growing up. You went through some difficult times here uh, in these United States where uh, race uh, was, was a big deal. Yeah, many of you went through times where, uh, where people were not treated fairly and people were not treated equally. Those were dark times in America's past. And, and sadly to say, those are dark times in America's presence. Uh, it, is, it, is no, it is no secret that in the South, uh, racial tension between blacks and white uh, it has always been there. I'm not going to dance around. It's clear. Everybody knows that. But we as Christians, we want to move past those things. We don't want to look down or call out any race or any people group because God doesn't do that. God looks at all people equally. I believe that. We see that taught all throughout Scripture, that God does not pick favorites and God does not show favoritism. Why do I believe that? Because the Bible says it in black and white. But it's something that, 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 that we, in particular living in the South, we have to work through. 
Because for many people growing up in the South, whether you are black or whether you are white, uh, most of the time people are raised a certain way. It is ingrained in you what to believe. It's ingrained in you how to act toward other people, how to view other people. And so we have to work through many times some of the things that we were taught that were wrong. And that's a hard, a hard truth to accept in and of ourselves, that we would be taught something that is wrong. And we would be taught something that is worse, unbiblical, totally unbiblical, un, uh, not, not founded biblically at all, but, but it is passed down from generation to generation to generation, and there is a certain hatred and a certain tension that is built up in our culture today. And so we as Christians have to be aware of what's going on as we are, but we also need to see what God's Word says about these things. So this is some heavy stuff today. It's heavy stuff. It's serious stuff. But it's stuff we need to read. So let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Father God, I pray that you give me the words to say today on this, this heavy stuff, dear Lord. This is serious stuff. But God, help us to, to see the world not, not by color, not by nationality, but to see the world by people, dear Lord. People that you created. People that you gave a soul, dear Lord. People that you love. God, help us not to think too highly of ourselves, because that's what racism is, dear Lord. We think that our race is better, that our race is somehow better than other races, that our skin color makes us better than other people. But God, that's not what it's about, dear Lord. Help us to humble ourselves if there is any in this room that has that attitude, dear Lord God. Help us to break free from the chains of things that we may have been taught that are unbiblical. Help us not to call people's names based on where they're from or what their skin color is, dear Lord, but help us to look at people's heart. Help us to love people like you do, dear Lord. Help us to see souls that need to be saved. Help us to see brothers and sisters in Christ and not separate or differentiate, differentiate or treat people different, God, because they look different or because their culture is different, dear Lord. So God, help us to get that. Help us to see that in the in your word today. Help us to see your love. Help us to see what you think about other races, about people in general, dear Lord. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak through me today, that I would speak clearly, dear Lord, and that I would speak the words of truth that we need to hear. God, even if it's stuff that's tough, God, we want to we want to deal with these things in Scripture. We want to be able to deal with these things in our world. So be with us today. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. John chapter 4, and we see a story that some of you may be familiar with. If not, it's okay. We're going to look at it today. John chapter 4, I don't know how many verses we're going to read. Probably 26 if we get that far. John chapter 4, we see the story of Jesus and a Samaritan woman. Now, we see the Samaritans mentioned on a few occasions uh, throughout the Scripture, and, and, and this is kind of a big deal, uh, uh, but, but to understand this story would be to understand the culture that Jesus lived in. In the culture that Jesus lived in, the Samaritans were looked down upon. They were looked on as lesser than. They were looked on as lower than. They were looked on as not as important by the Jews. There was some tension there between those two different people groups. This is tension that had arisen many, many years ago. In the Old Testament, uh, you may remember of reading when uh, the nation of Israel split into two different groups. There were the ten northern tribes of Israel and, ten, and the two southern tribes of Judah. And the capital of those ten northern tribes was Samaria. And the capital of Judah and the southern tribes was Jerusalem. 
Now, the people of Israel, uh, they had a pretty rough background. And when I say Israel in this case, I'm not talking about as a whole. I'm talking about the ten tribes. They had a lot of bad kings. When you read through the Old Testament, all of their kings were bad. There was a lot of evil that were done. Uh, they were intermarrying with other people in the area. It was just bad times. And God brought judgment on them quicker because of that. God brought the Assyrians up uh, on them to overtake them. And, and there was just tension between Judah and Israel. Now, Judah was more faithful to the Lord. They had some good kings, but eventually God brought judgment on them too. But there, that tension had been there all the way from back when we see that split in the Old Testament. And over time, tension builds. Anytime there's discrimination, that there's racism, that there's one group uh, at, at, at feud with another group, as the years goes on, that tension builds and builds and builds. And so for this story here that we're going to see where Jesus meets a Samaritan woman, this is not just like, you know, he, oh, I'm, I'm from Mississippi and I meet somebody from Louisiana. It's not just that simple. This was a big deal what is going to take place in these verses. Verse 1. When Jesus knew that the Pharisees heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went again to Galilee. He had to travel through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about six in the evening. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, for his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She asked him, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So here we see uh, what's going on here. We're introduced to the characters. We have Jesus and we have this Samaritan woman. And Jesus was tired. He, uh, Jesus walked everywhere. Who knows how far Jesus walked in his ministry. He probably covered no telling how many miles. And on one of his journeys, he stopped in uh, Samaria. The disciples were off getting food. And here was Jesus sitting at this well, a well of Jacob. Uh, Jacob, we, we know from the Old Testament. And here comes this Samaritan woman. Jesus, being thirsty, did something that was unheard of. First off, he spoke to a woman. That was crazy enough in and of that culture. But of all the people for Jesus to talk to, he talked to a Samaritan woman. And not only did he talk to a Samaritan woman, he said, let me drink some of your water. Now, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. You say, well, what's the big deal with, with people sharing the same water? Well, let's not forget it hadn't been too many years ago in this United States that there were, color, uh, there were water fountains that were, that, were, that were marked for whatever race you were. Oh, these people drink out of this water fountain, but they can't drink out of this one. So it's not that far-fetched of an idea. It helps us to understand exactly what was going on here. That Jesus said, I want to drink from the same water that you're drinking from. I want my lips to touch the same jug that your lips are going to touch. Now Jesus was breaking down some barriers right here. This was unheard of in Jesus' day and time. Why? Because there was that tension there. Oh, we don't associate with them. We don't associate with those people. Those people live across the tracks. They're, they're troublemakers. They're not like us. They don't worship the way we do. 
They don't talk the way we do. They don't look the way we do. We're not supposed to have anything to do with them. My daddy told me that, and my granddaddy told me that, and his great-granddaddy told him that. And all this is built up through the years. And this tension had come, and here was the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Loved everybody equally. He didn't care that she was a woman. He didn't care that she was from Samaria. He was a Jew. Jews didn't like the Samaritans. And Jesus said, hey, look, give me a drink. And the woman, she knew it instantly. She said, wait a minute. What are you asking me for a drink for? We don't associate with, with each other. Our kinds don't mix. Our people don't associate together. Why are you asking me for a drink? Well, this story is not much different than our world today. This story is not much different than the United States over the last 50, 60, 70 years. Not much different. Verse 10, Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Sir, the woman, or excuse me, sir, said the woman, You don't even have a bucket and the well is deep, so where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself. As, he, as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said, Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him never get thirsty again, ever. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up within him for eternal life. Sir, the woman said to him, Give me this water so... I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. Go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. I don't have a husband, she answered. You have correctly said I don't have a husband, Jesus said. For you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, yet you Jews say that the place of worship is in Jerusalem. Now, here we have this woman uh, who has experienced Jesus, and she says, like, wait, what are you doing? We're not supposed to associate with any, 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 anybody else, any of you Jews. And Jesus says, look, you don't even realize who you were talking to here. You don't realize who you're talking to here. And he began to reveal who he was through her by calling out the fact that she had had five husbands and she was with a man now uh, that she was not married to. And so Jesus was revealing to her who he was and he was also in the meantime revealing to her as, look, God loves all people. There is no distinction, there is no differentiation in God's eyes, but what God is doing is he is breaking down these boundaries, he is revealing who he is, and he is trying to get the woman to realize as well as he was trying to get the Jews and the other people of his day to realize that he came for all people. He is the bridge between all people. And Jesus revealing himself to this woman at the well, Jesus asking her for a drink was a big deal. And then she began to point out even further some of the differences between Jesus and his people and the Samaritans, uh, her people. She said, 
I see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, yet you Jews say that the place of worship is in Jerusalem. Two separate worship places. She said, look, we, we worship different. We worship in different places. Y'all say that we're supposed to worship this way, and we say that we're supposed to worship this way, and, and we're not even together in our worship. We're not even worshiping together. And Jesus goes on to say in verse 21, Jesus told her, Believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. But an hour is coming when the true worshipers, he says in verse 23, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The true worshiper, the one who truly worships the Lord, those who are going to come together, no matter what race that they are, no matter where they are from, no matter what their skin color is, God is going to reveal to all people in the coming day through Jesus Christ, as He did, that Jesus Christ died for all. The Jews and the Samaritans. The Jews and the Gentiles. Everybody that wasn't born a Jew, Jesus Christ died for all people. We see that constantly throughout the New Testament. We are reminded who Jesus died for. He died for all people. Not black people, not white people, not pink people, not green people. But all people Jesus Christ died for. This idea of this, this tension between the Jews and the Samaritans was, uh, was, was, was not uncommon. We see another story about uh, the good Samaritan where the man was hurt and everybody else passed by, the ones who should have helped, the ones who worked at the church, the priest who worked there should have stopped and helped him and the, the people that passed by and didn't help him. And lo and behold, the good Samaritan stopped and showed favor. Jesus wasn't even asked in Scripture. Uh, well, uh, Jesus said, love your neighbor. And, and, and the guy said, well, look, who's our neighbor? Well, our neighbor is anybody that God has put on this earth, not just the one next door to us, but anyone that we come in contact with, that we can, that we can love on, that we can share God's love with, that we can sh share with them what God's Word says, that we can share with them Jesus Christ. Anybody we have the opportunity to love on is our neighbor. And we need to learn from Jesus in these verses. We need to see what Jesus did. We need to see that Jesus didn't pick favorites. We need to see that Jesus didn't say, well, I don't want to have anything to do with her. Why do we need to see that? Because if there's any tension in our heart, if we look down on any race, on any people group, no matter what color of their skin may be, no matter where they may be from, then we need to examine our heart and we need to examine it closely. And we need to pray really hard that God would deal with us. Because there may be things in our heart, hatred, that is built up for years and years and years. And we need to pray that the Holy Spirit would touch our heart and take any of those things out that are there. We need to check ourselves and make sure the words that we use, the language that we use, what we are referring to other people as. No matter what color their skin is, whether their skin's the same color as yours or whether their skin's a different color as yours, we never want to get to a point to where we're referring to people with derogatory terms that are that are talking down on them. Would Jesus Christ ever want us to label people and call them terms that are going to to, to make them lesser in our eyes? He would not do that. 
I don't believe for a second Jesus would use racial slang. And for some of us, maybe it's part of our vocabulary. But it doesn't need to be. Because when we talk about other people, it doesn't matter what their skin color is. There are people that are, that are evil. There are people that are poor. There are people that are smart. There are people that are rich. There are people that do wrong. There are people that do right of all skin colors and of all races. There's good, bad people, no matter where you look at. But so many times we want to label people and say, I don't expect any more from them, from that group. What are we doing? What we're doing is we're saying, I'm better. I'm better than them because of where they're from. I'm better than them because of the color of their skin. I'm better than them because I'm this way. I'm better than them because I have this. And what we're doing is we're raising ourselves up and we're looking down upon people that God created. So we need to be careful that there is not hatred that is built up in our heart. We need to be careful that we are not carrying something on because guess what? We have the ability, those who are in Christ, we have the ability to stand up and do the right thing. There have been lots of wrongs done in this world by both sides of people who are on this, this, this problem of racism. Neither side is innocent. There is hate and anger and things that have been done and said, actions that have taken place that are wrong no matter what side of the argument that you're on. But only we can stop it. Only we can say, you know what, I'm not going to give in to the hate. I'm not going to look down on other people anymore. I'm going to love people. And we've got to fight it. And boy, if we begin to love people like Jesus loved people, boy, this world would be a better place. And it's not easy because there are so many things that have been built up throughout our country. It is not easy, but it's what God calls us to do. I want to read to you just a few, few scriptures here. You can try to turn to them if you want to. I'll go through them kind of quickly, but I want to read to you just a few scriptures this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 17 through 19. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, mighty, and awesome God, showing no partiality and taking no bribe. He executes justice to the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner gives him food and clothing. You must also love the foreigners since you were foreigners in the land of Egypt. Ain't that something? That's pretty that's pretty pretty appropriate for our culture today because why? We have immigrants coming in and so many people say you need to ship them out. They don't need to be here. Now I ain't trying to get political. I'm not saying this, that, and the other. But I'm telling you this. Here's what God told the people of Israel to do. He said if the foreigners are there, take care of them. Now how about that? How about that for some good stuff? Now that, that goes against what some of us may believe or what some of us may want. God says, look, those who come in, those who are not from your country, those who are not from your land, Jesus says, love on them. Why? Uh, God says, because that's where you are. Remember where you were. You were once, the Israelites were once slaves in a foreign land in the land of Egypt. And God says, don't, don't forget how you were treated. And treat people how you yourself would like to be treated. Boy, ain't that something? Ain't that something? If we did that, if we, if, we, if we treated other people how we wanted to be treated, wouldn't that make everything so much better? Would we want anybody else to call us the name? Would we want anybody else to treat us differently? Would we want anybody else to treat us unequally? I wouldn't. I want to be treated the same as everybody else, and I want everybody else to be treated the same as me. Boy, the world would be a better place if we did what God commanded the Israelites here and said, look, don't forget your past. Don't forget that 
God loves all of us the same, and Jesus Christ died for the sins of all of us, no matter where we're from, no matter what our skin color may be. Acts chapter 10, verses 34 and 40, 35. Then Peter began to speak. Now I really understand that God doesn't show favoritism, but in every nation the person who fears him and does his righteousness is acceptable to him. How about that? God does not show favoritism. Do you show favoritism? Are you higher than God? Are you higher than God to a point to say, well, that's not what God does, but I'm higher than God and I can show favoritism. No, Peter got it. You know how Peter got it? Because God revealed it to him. God revealed it to him with that sheet with those animals coming down and God said, you can eat anything. And Peter said, hold up, I've never eaten anything unclean. And God said, look, I've made everything clean. What I've made clean, who are you to call it unclean? And in that moment, Peter's eyes were open and he realized, oh, snap. God is for everybody. For the Jews and the Gentiles in the context of the text. And Peter got it. And Peter, when he went to see a guy named Cornelius, he was saying these words. He says, look, I realize that God does not show favoritism. But in every nation, every nation, no matter where you're from, no matter what nationality you are, it says, but in every nation, the person who fears him, who fears the Lord, does and does righteousness is acceptable to him. Come on. Look out now. He doesn't say a color. He doesn't say a race. He says, all those who fear the Lord, seek Him, do right by Him, are acceptable to Him. And we need not forget that. James chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Indeed, you keep the royal law prescribed in Scripture. Love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well, but if you do show favorit excuse me, but if you show favoritism, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Now, how about that? If you do show favoritism, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Now this is some this is some good stuff for us to worry. It's some good stuff for us to look at our own heart and examine our own heart and make sure that we are living in a way that God calls us to. Revelation chapter 7 verses 9 and 10. These verses take place in heaven around the throne of Jesus Christ and the vision that John received and here is what John saw. After this I looked and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people and language which no one could number standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were robed in white with palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. Now who is in heaven in these verses? Who is gathered around the throne? There is a mass multitude from America. No, that's not what it says. It doesn't say there's a vast multitude from America. It says there's a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Now that's pretty clear. It's pretty plain as day what the Bible says about people from other places, people from other races, people from other languages. It's pretty clear what it says, and it says that God loves them all. Now, I see many times people on, on either side of a, of a racial debate, and here's what is so saddening to it to me. 
is that both sides claim to be doing what God says. Both sides will quote their scriptures and say, here's what God says. Here's why God says my race is the best race. My people are the best people. Let me read you this scripture. And they always read God's word and they take it totally out of context and they never reference these verses that we looked at today. They never acknowledge that God shows no favoritism. Why? Because they don't want to hear what God's word has to say. They want to do what their own agenda wants them to do. They don't care what God's word says. They make God's word say what they want it to say instead of letting God's word say what it wants to say and change their heart and change their life. They don't want to do what God's word says. And I don't want us to be any of those who have a hatred built up in our heart for people that may come from another country or people that may be a different skin color. Sure, there are cultural differences. Sure, we're not all going to look the same, act the same. I get that. There are cultural differences. But we don't want to be those who hate. We don't want to be those who don't love other people. And we don't want to be those who are hated upon and and unloved by other people. And so we have to be strong as Christians to follow the example of Jesus Christ. We have to be willing to go to those who may not look like us, who may not act like us, and love them just the same. And maybe by our one little act of love, it may change someone's life. It changes the Samaritan woman's life here in these, these verses. Boy, she got it. When she experienced the love of Jesus Christ, when he saw that he came to her, that he treated her the same, that he revealed, look, I am the Son of God, boy, it changed her life. And this is something that needs to be dealt with in our country. And it needs to start by Christians because we should know better because we know what God's Word says. Boy, I wish we could live in a world where, where racism would be dead, where racism and hatred and anger would be gone. But the only place that that can die is at the cross of Jesus Christ. When we take that to the cross of Jesus Christ and say, God, take that hate out of my heart, take that attitude out of my heart, God, pray for my brothers and sisters that we can all come together, that we can put our differences aside, that we wouldn't bring up things of the past, that we wouldn't make more things in the future, but that somehow we'd be able to be the bigger person and say, look, I've done wrong, you've done wrong, whoever has done wrong, there's guiltiness on both sides, but Jesus Christ can wash away that. He can restore relationships and He can restore people, but we have to be willing to Listen to what God's Word says. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, He died for all people. And we need not forget that. No one group of people is better than another group of people. And if there is hatred in our heart, then we need to give it to Jesus Christ. We need to take it to the cross so that it can be nailed to that cross and that it can die and that our lives can be changed and that our world can be changed. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. This is such a heavy topic. There's so much that I couldn't comment on, didn't comment on, dear Lord. But help us not to, to, to miss your word. God, we understand that, that there is so much stuff going on. God, we understand that there is tension in this world. But I pray that somehow through a miracle, God, that you would be, begin to touch the hearts of, of those that have so much hate. Dear Lord, anytime race is involved or different cultures are involved, different people groups, God... There's always those that just hate, dear Lord. And I pray that you would just touch them and remove that hatred. God, I pray that you would help us not to harbor that in our own hearts. Maybe we don't even realize it, dear Lord. Maybe we don't realize that we have uh, thoughts that we shouldn't have. But God, help us to realize it. Help us not be so quick to call people names, dear Lord. Help us to, to view people as, as people. 
God, help us to love people. God, I pray that these words today would somehow touch our heart, dear Lord, that, that the Holy Spirit would move among us, that the Holy Spirit would move among our nation, dear Lord. This is real stuff. There's real problems. There's real tension. There's real hatred. There's real evil out there, dear Lord God. I pray for those that, are, that have that hatred that don't know you, God. I pray that they would know you. I pray that you would reveal your love for them and for all people, dear Lord God, that you would touch their heart and transform their heart and, and help us to work through this mess that we have gotten ourselves into, dear Lord. And I pray that you be with each one here today. I pray that you would just help us to love the way that we were loved by you. God, that you had grace on us even though we were undeserving. God, that you had grace on us even though we weren't born into the nation of Israel. God, you still loved us. You didn't shun us. Through Jesus Christ, you gave us all an opportunity to be forgiven and to be loved. And I pray, God, that if there's one in this room today that has never accepted what Jesus Christ did on the cross, that whatever sin that they have brought into this place, that they would take it to the cross, that they would take it to Jesus, that they would ask for forgiveness and for you to come in and touch their heart and touch their life. God, I just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.